Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Welcome to everybody and um, here we go. It's great to see you all. I'm glad that everyone remembered or many people remembered that we're doing it today and not tomorrow. I hope no one logs on for tomorrow. Um, okay. So we're now in this stretch where um, at least one person referenced last week, Rashi goes quiet a little bit. We, we, we discussed w- w- pure conjecture. Um, what's going on? Is, is, he, is he standing back in awe? Uh, it, it, consciously or unconsciously, is he doing to this scene what Moshe is doing in the scene, which is asura na let me step aside and just look at this, this, this great site, it almost seems like that's what Rashi is doing. Uh, he's he's going to pop up here and there, but we're going to be spending a good amount of time for the next few weeks on mostly just a shot of the text because Rashi is not going to add that much, right? Um, and I believe we finished everything on verse 4, and we're now going to be on verse 5 of chapter 3. Does everyone agree with that? Right, we finished the Rashi on Asura Na. So now we're on verse five, right? Um, Rashi on verse five. I don't think we read the verse five yet. So I think we should start. Um, I think we'll start with the verse five. Uh, someone asked me, is that a Dodgers hoodie? No, this is a Oxford hoodie. Not a Dodgers hoodie. Um, had, 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 we, had we actually discussed what it means if I yikra elaf? What's that? Had we actually discussed by yikra elaf? You're asking, did we or can we? I don't. I don't recall us discussing what does it mean God called to Moshe, Moshe, Moshe. Well, we read it and translated it. We. I don't know if we lingered on it. It's a. It's a pretty common uh, way that the Torah refers to God's extending God's self out to so, someone else. We definitely talked about Moshe, Moshe, and I actually had a um, a great conversation with a colleague later on in the week about the. Um, the trap of Moshe Moshe, as, as we discussed, that it's um, it's, uh, it's a, it's a trap that makes you go through the scene rather quickly as opposed to exclamation points. And I really appreciated what Stevie said, that apparently it's the only time in the Torah where someone who's being called by God by two names um, gets that particular uh, trap formation. Hmm. Uh, okay. Dan, Larry? I, I just want to say, I actually thought about this last week and, and thank Barry for raising it. To me, the Vikra is the actual <clears throat> interjection, God's, if you, if you will, physical calling to Moshe, how he's, how he's actually intervening. The Vayomer is the content, and the two sep- I, I, I see them as being two separate things. Mm-hmm. So the Vikra is almost like God reaching out and now anthropomorphizing, shaking Moshe by the shoulders, okay? And then he does that almost verbally, when he says Vayomer, he does the same thing. Moshe, Moshe, calling someone twice is like a way of waking him up. So mm-hmm. he's both physically, physically or spiritually um, addressed him, in, interacted with him, and then he has verbally, in terms of the content of the message, done the same thing. Interesting. So you're reading the Vayikra kind of as a, as a, as a metaphysics, and then the Vayomer as the actual anthropomorphic way that the communication happened. But by a cry is the bursting from God's realm into the human realm. And then, and then, and then a speech hat and then a speech act. 
Yeah, and even more so if we think about this, what did you call it last week? Someone talked about a, um, what do you call something that's not really there in the burning of the bush? Uh, forgive hologram. me. Hologram. It's actually a hologram reaching out from this, from this hologram with this voice, which isn't yeah. a voice. Yeah. Um, by the way, just a heads up that I am outdoors and so is my, uh, my dog. And my dog considers the squirrels and the crows in the neighborhood to be like near Nazi-like intruders. And so if he sees one and starts to go crazy, I, I apologize in advance, but that's just where the dog is right now. He's just, just protecting the hearth. Okay. Um, let's, uh, with everyone's uh, blessing, let's re- go to verse uh, five itself. Um, which is uh, actually not looking in our normal book, but in the normal book, it is uh, page Kaf Vav, um, chapter three, verse five. Uh, Rick, is your hand up? Yeah, just one last thing. Um, I like to look at the Onkelos, um just to see what he had, what how he translated, and he takes. Uh, Hineni as ha ana is that right? So ha is here and ana is I am is, is that right? Which verse? Ver, the end of verse four. Before we leave Hineni, we did Moshe Moshe, but we didn't talk about Hineni uh, with yes. the unclus. Yes. So Hineni, even though it's 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 now understood as its own term, is Frank is the declined um, slash conjugated. Uh, word hine and ani. Hine so, is here, yeah. ani is I, hine ni here am I. And just like it could be hine, it, it, it's not really used, but you could decline it in all of the personages. It could, it could be hine nu, hine nam, hinam, here they are. So ha ana, ha is here, and ana, ana is, is I. I. Okay. It up. Yeah. So one more thing. So if you compare that to the word sne, it's asana and ana. The only difference is the samach in the middle, right? In the Aramaic, sne is doesn't end with a hey; it ends with the aleph, right? Yeah. So if you, so if the, I'm just going off on it, but the samach, if that's where the hologram is in the middle of the sne, and here I am, it, it all comes together in a kind of little visual. There, yeah, in some ways, the the targum here is is appears, I don't know if it's intentional, more lyrical, more alliterative than the Hebrew because of asana and ha'ana. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, verse five. Uh, Barry, would you like to read verse five? I don't know where you are, Barry, but if you're speaking, we can't hear you. His mic is... Still can't hear you, Barry. There. Uh, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um al God said, do not come any closer. Um, that's the Altikrav. The Halom <laughs> hangs out there. It's kind of a, a very strange word that's hard to translate, but we get the point. God is saying after after Moshe has removed Mo- Moshe's self to then move closer, God says, enough, okay? Why, why halom? Good question. It's a very strange word. We're gonna look, we'll, we'll look at the etymology of it in a second. Um, but we don't, we, it's, not, it's not 
patently obvious how to translate halom in the verse? Um, it, it take off, take off your shoes. Uh, take the shoes off your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, because the place on which on 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 where you are standing uh, uh, is is holy is holy ground. Good. Okay. So uh, the we have a hard to translate word in the verse halom. Um, we've got uh, an instruction from God in terms of. Um, what is and what is not appropriate distance and even footwear for a revelation, right? Um, and then we also have um, at the end of the phrase kind of a, um, a, 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 a preposition, you know, a pronoun of dubious uh, gender attachment. What I mean by that is the last word of the verse is who who is immediately preceded by Admat Kodesh. Admat Kodesh is Adama, land of sanctity. Adama is feminine. And so it could have been Admat Kodesh he. What's happening probably is that the who is linking back to Hamakom. Hamakom is masculine. For the place mm. which you are standing on, it's, not, it, it, it's bringing forth the gender of Hamakom, even though it's being defined as Admat Kodesh, it really could have been Admat Kodesh He. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just one of the interesting things that happens when you have um, a sentence structure in that way. Okay, aside from wondering what Halom means, which we're going to look at in a little bit, uh, others, comments on this verse, questions on this verse, um, things that make you say, hmm, even though uh, there's there's... Uh, rather little that makes Rashi say, hmm. Uh, Diane Larry. Shal. The word shal. What about it? I don't know it. Anybody know what the root of shal is? I know. I knew Vered knows. What is it, Vered? It's nun shin lamed. Bidiyuk, right? It's a nun shin lamed. This form is in a command. Had it been uh, conjugated, we would have seen a uh, dagesh forte because nun disappeared. Right. But in the command, it doesn't. So it means take off, remove. Right. So okay. in ca- in categories of special shorashim, three letter roots that begin with nun called pei nun uh, roots. It's called pei nun because, like in 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 the pei signifies the first letter of a root because the paradigm of a root is pa'al so pei nun is the first letter as a nun the nun often falls out you know this yisa adonai panav elecha the root of yisa is nasa right and yipol he will fall the root is nafal and in the command like this the nun just disappears um i've i've never really understood why like in, in terms of the way words work or letters work why it disappears but it does and so the root is nashal um and how does uncle is translate it um uh shri shin shin resh yud um which i don't, actually don't know that aramaic uh, root offhand but it must mean to uh, re- remove or take or, t- or take off good good question um anyone else question you ask on the verse and by the way, Rashi is sensitive to that. So we're going to see that one of the things that Rashi does is help you understand the root shell because he knows that one might be confused about shell because, because you might not immediately associate it with nashal. Stevie? Yeah. Um, on the 
point out the difference between Makom and Adama? Like, because you would think that the thing you're standing on, right, Asherata Omerolav, would be the dirt, not the location. But maybe I understand Alav wrong, but it's like it somehow the the place that you're standing on is holy dirt. The, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. It's just interesting. Huh. So, right. Are you suggesting that you could even reverse it, that the land that you're standing on is a holy place? Yeah, that's that's how in English we would say it. Really? Yeah, I've never picked up on that. Right. That you. you you're, what you're omating a love is a makom, and how is that makom defined or understood? As we think of places as important more than dirt as important, but here it's it's it definitely is the more tangible earth that's the got that adjective. Interesting. Good, Joanna. Um, I wanted to comment on the whole aspect of the bare feet and the notion of like when you're in a holy place, somehow a way of signifying that holiness is to be barefoot and to take off your shoes. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe like in Judaism today, in fact, it's reversed because I believe one is not supposed to say a bracha barefoot. So, so how does... You know, how does that transformation happen that, you know, in fact, um, you know, one wouldn't signify a holy moment today by being barefoot? Such a fascinating comment, right? Um, it shows you on some level how arbitrary, even though it doesn't seem arbitrary within the system, on, on a macro level, how arbitrary the signifiers of what is appropriate and what is not appropriate in sanctified space is, right? Hat off or head must be covered, right? Shoes off or your shoes must have feet, on, um, your feet must have, must have shoes on them. I'll tell you a little, um, right? something that changed in my own practice. Uh, I also grew up in this religious notion that it would be disrespectful to daven without your, you know, barefoot, you know, in, 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 without your shoes on. Um, as many of you know, I had, I had very transformational experiences when I went on this meditation retreat in the Holy Isle in Scotland, uh, hosted by a, a community of Tibetan Buddhist monks, where um, your bare feet is the, is, is the holiest way to present yourself, right? Without a barrier between you and the earth. Um, so I, I started, I started experience several fusions when I would daven shacharit at the, at the Holy Isle, wrapped in my tefillin, um, at this retreat center. Um, and I, and to this day, I still, when I dive and I kind of, I transport myself back to that space and time. And one of the things that, that, that I started doing, um, not, not only doing it this way, but permitting myself to do it without having found a source in the Shulchan Aruch is to dive in without my shoes on, because I kind of trained my body, um, based on the place that I was to, uh, to see that also as a holy way of approaching the divine. And you're right. This verse suggests that in the core moment, that's what the Torah's uh, tradition had us thinking about how and when uh, the halacha of, of, of not davening barefoot emerged. I've never studied it. I'd, I'd, I'd be curious. I'd never, I've never studied it, uh, but you're right here. Barefootness is considered the appropriate way to stand before God. Uh, great. Anyone else um, on on this section before we look at Rashi? I'm seeing some comments on the side. See if there's anything I should respond to. Um, right. Oh, so Tatova's comment. 
so interesting. I remember once being on a on a bus in Israel, and um, you know, just like an Eged bus, and I was sitting next to a, a very from person, and you know, at a long bus ride, sometimes my feet are in front of me, and sometimes I cross my legs just to be more comfortable and to help with the circulation. And I crossed my legs, and so my right foot was over my left knee, and therefore pointing and, and higher up off the ground, and then pointing towards him. And he got very angry at me because he was studying to heal him or, 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 or something like that. And he actually thought it was my obligation to not cross my leg so that my shoe, which he considered to be schmutzedik, was not getting too close to his sidur as he was saying to heal him. So it, it's, it's unclear. Does the tradition think that you know, your foot must have a shoe on it, but a shoe is dirty and polluted? And, and, and the, guy, the guy was Sephardic. So is there, is there something um, cultural that is trans-religious, right, about where you come from in the world and how that, how that, um, how that makes you think about the, literally the status of the foot or the, or the shoe? Didn't someone once throw a shoe at, at uh, President Bush, the, uh, George W. Bush, at some, some news conference in Iraq? And uh, it was considered like the worst thing, besides from like actual violence the worst thing one could do is to take off one shoe and throw it at someone that you didn't that you didn't uh, didn't like um okay so let's go before uh we have um bury the rashi i want to show you something about the word halom hold on let me pull it up what's the what's the thing in, in live right marriage with the shoe what why the sh- why the shoe why the shoe in live right marriage yeah uh it, it's one of those that is hard to answer why because we just got it inherited there have been a lot, a lot of things written on it but there's no there's no one simple answer as to why the removal of the shoe is what there, there's, that there's, there's something deeply cultural about shoe yeah okay, that we don't understand yeah um okay gonna share some share something with you from um jastro so um i could not find online a good um like the Brown Driver Briggs Dictionary, the actual, actual biblical Hebrew dictionary. So this is Jastro. Jastro has every word and every root that ever appears in any piece of rabbinic uh, literature. It's, uh, it's just an unbelievable thing that he did before the internet. Um, so he, it also includes biblical words, but it, he's not primarily, I want to put this out there as a caveat, he's not primarily a biblical lexicologist. He's a rabbinic lexicologist. But here is his um, halom. So uh, halom with a vav, and then parentheses, I'm, if you can see where my cursor is, right in the middle, bh, that means biblical Hebrew, uh, halom, so in the Bible it appears without a vav, compared with hala, h, h, halam and aleph, meaning here or hither thus far, uh, and then he gives you a place where it appears in, in the Talmud, Zvachim, page 102a, um, and um, there's a question about whether or not it's a word that 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 is it like a more regal way of saying here and it only applies to someone of a particular nobility or, or regalness, or does it just mean here or hither? That's, that's a discussion in the Talmud about whether or not the word should only be used for royalty. So if you plug that back into our verse, both the plain meaning and the question about the meaning, right? But Yomer al-Tikrav halom, he says, do not come, pshat here, don't come closer. But then there's over, over tone of, because you're in the presence of royalty. Don't, don't come into the royal space. Don't come, whereas here, here is where I, God, am. 
Mm-hmm. You, Moshe, are about to be Eved Hashem, but you're not royalty, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marshall. Uh, we don't hear you yet, Marshall. I actually have the Brown Driver Briggs Dictionary in front of me. Okay. Um, so it says Halom is an adverb or place, meaning hither. So it gives us an example, Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, Al-Tikrav Halom, approach not hither. Then it gave some other examples, and it says Halom ve Halom, hither and thither, meaning in different directions. And we also have the phrase Ad Halom, hitherto or thus far. So it's... Uh, no, it's an interesting word, just an ad, really an adverb of direction, let's say. Yeah. Adverb of place. Vered, uh, either in regular speech or, I don't know, in modern poetry, have you ever cro- come across the word halom in spoken Hebrew? Don't hear you yet, Vered. You have to unmute. Where'd you go? Uh, it's not used on a daily basis. It's It's a word used more... In a poetic way, I mean, you know, maybe in poetry or it means when we speak about it in Hebrew, it means halom, it's either here at this place or normally we would say ad halom, which means like until here or until this place. And is it, but is it a word that, you know, the, the average educated Israeli knows? Yes. It's not, so, it's not that esoteric? No, Got it. not at all. Okay. Thank you, Vered. It's always wonderful having you as a, <laughs> as a participant in this class that we can go to for that kind of reference. Okay, so let's go back to Thank Barry. Um, unless there are any more questions on shot. Yes. Matt, you're unmuted. Do you want to say something? No, sorry. Yes, I just wanted to, 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 to agree. Right? Oops. Oops, you're matted. You're, 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 you're matted. You're matted and you're muted. <laughs> I wanted to to uh, agree very much with Vered. When I was in Israel, you'd hear Ad Halom a lot on TV. Uh, political speeches or commentators would say, meaning up to this point, maybe and no further, something like that. It's it, it's it's formal, but it's not uncommon. I'd say. Got it. Thank you, Matt, and thank you, Joanna, for the link to the Brown Driver Briggs online. I'm so glad that that exists. I would I had never been to EricLevy.com, and now I want to know who Eric Levy is. Uh, thank you for that. Okay, uh, going once, going twice on anything else on the shot. Let's go uh, back to Barry and read the first of the two short uh, Rashi's on this verse. Very mm-hmm. short. Uh, shawl, uh, to take off. Shalom um, uh, uh pull off and remove. Good. Okay, so the first thing he does is says to you, reader, if you're wondering what the word shall means, I'll, I, Rashi, will give it to you in simpler Hebrew. Simpler Hebrew doesn't mean that everyone of us understands what these words means. The second one is more common word, hotzei, to remove, like yatsa, the he feel of yatsa, which is to leave, so to make something leave. And shalaf means to <laughs> remove, to take off, to, to, um, to, I don't know how to, I don't know what other synonym to do it, right? So he, t- he turns, what's interesting is that he turns it into, Two, right? Because one could, I believe, have said, what does shal mean? Ah, it means shalaf, to remove. Shalaf v'hotse, I'll be honest, I don't know what Rashi is getting at by, by is, is he giving us two synonyms? Or is he somehow suggesting that the root shal, nashal, somehow means both of these actions simultaneously, shalof and hotse? Not sure. We can leave that 
as a question. And now keep going. Come on. Well, actually, so the, 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 the shalof is, is you, you have to do a shalof before you, you remove. You know, when you untie your shoe or something, you have to undo something to get it ready. And then you pull. Ah, so like a loosen and a take off. Maybe. I'm not sure that shalaf means loosen. Uh, Vered, we'll go back to you. At the core, what's the, the root shalaf? Is there, is, I know what it means, but is there a, a very specific way in which shalaf is understood such that it, we can make sense of it here? Uh, <clears throat> in Hebrew, the, the word shalaf, you'll be surprised. It means like to take something out from something. And it's being used... Believe it or not, a lot in uh, in the Western movies when you pull up the gun from its place, mm. and then kids, you know, will have games. Shlof, take it out, you know, like take it out something. So um, it's used in the, a lot in this connection with guns, pistols, something like that. So without being certain as to how Hebrew was used in 900 years ago. Can you make sense, Vered, of, 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 of the distinction of Shalof and Hotse and why both are present in Rashi's definition of Shal? Um, I'll, I'll answer you by saying that I looked at the places that Rashi mentions in, in Sefer Dvarim, where he uses the word uh, shalaf. Um, I I don't know how to answer it more than than that. Mm. Okay, thank you, Vered. Uh, Tova, that's interesting. You're saying that shloth, like, has to do with the positioning of the foot, and then hotse is the shoe on the foot, perhaps. Um, okay, let's look at what shloth uh, is oh, the taking. Shloth is the taking out action to take out. But so and, is Hotse, because Hotse yeah. isn't take off. Hotse is take out, like Yatsa, yes. remove. So it's, I, I, um, I forgot to check to see if any of the super commentaries on Rashi comment on that. It might just be too small of an issue for them to care about. Um, Larry and Diane, I see your hand up. So I'm going to go to Chizkuni, which, which extends from Rashi and makes reference to Megillat Esther. And in Megillat Esther in chapter 4, verse 8, um, the, it's Shalaf Ish uh, Na'alo. It's about the Levirate uh, ritual where Boaz is taking off his, supposed to take off his, his, uh, his sandal. And even um, Alter comments on this, um, even though Alter doesn't have the, the Hebrew. And I saw someplace else, but I can't find it right now. It also has to do with unsheathing a sword. Yeah. Yes. Unsheathing, right. So all of that resonates for me and, and, and still doesn't resolve for me what, what's, what's going on for Rashi such that he needs, he needs both of these. Um, but okay. Um, let's look at... Um, uh, Barry, why don't you start reading the Rashi? Uh, continue reading the Rashi. Yeah. Um, as in the, the iron slipped off. Good. So um, 
let's show that verse one second. Let me pull it up. We can see it in context. Okay, so here is the first of two places that Rashi goes to. We know that Rashi does this with frequency where when he's trying to help us understand uh, a, a verb form in its place, he finds another place where it's a little bit more obvious, at least to him, okay? So here's the 19th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Um, just go back a verse so you get the context. Vezedavar harotzeach. This is the matter of someone who kills. Asher Yanus Shama, who might flee to a place, Vachai, and live there to, uh, uh, to avoid retribution. Asher Yaket Rehu Bivlida'at, if you've killed someone unintentionally, right? This is, it's interesting that the word Rotzeach is used because Rotzeach is usually specifically to mean a murderer. Here it's actually a, man, a man, manslayer. That's why it's defined here as manslayer, um, uh, not as murderer. Person had no enmity towards the person who was killed before, right? Some kind of an accident. Let's imagine the situation the Torah says. You're with your friend in a forest. To chop down trees. When you're taking your hand, to smite the tree and to knock it down. Venashal habarzel. Here's our nashal root. What happens to the barzel to the axe? It slips. It is removed from your hand. Such, when we get to dvarim, <laughs> this would be a very interesting verse to do slowly. It finds your friend, as if the axe has its own will. It finds your friend, and the guy dies. He goes to one of these cities of refuge and he's able to live. Okay. So what's interesting for us about this is the scene. So you can picture this very easily, right? Nashal habarzel. It slips off, right? What I also think is interesting about this is that it might and it might not. So I'm going to put this as a maybe be suggesting something in by Rashi bring us to this verse about the types of shoes that he believes Moshe wore, right? something that slips off as opposed to requiring to be untied or, or, or be taken apart. It's that it's, it's it just a slipper, right? A, a kind of a, a slipper shoe that can come off a foot as easily as that. So that's his first um, reference. Uh, Rick, your hand is up. Do you, you want to say something now? Or you want to wait till we get the next one from Russia? Um, just on this. Um, I connect the matzah with the Jose. Um Maybe he's playing with the, the finding there. That's the same root, isn't it? The Mem Tzadi Aleph and the Hotse that we have back there. It's the same root. My instincts is that it, that it's it's a accident, um, but but you never know. Meaning, uh, I don't know that that Rashi is bringing us to this verse for the presence of the word Matzah in the verse because he used the word. Uh, no, sorry, it's not the same root. Mem Tzadi Aleph is to find Hotse. The root is Yud Tzadi Aleph to leave. Okay. Yeah, so okay. it's, uh, it's, it's uh, e- even less it's different. Okay. Uh, Larry, is your hand up from now or from before? Before. Okay. So, uh, Barry, uh, your hand is up and you're also on. If you want to read the next one. And so the, um, the, 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 the slipping and, and following this from Devarim, the, the axe, the, the, the first is slipping off. Slipping the foot out from the the shoe, but the other is manually 
take your hand and remove the shoe. So it's 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 two two things. Um, it's clearly two things to Rashi. You're right. Um, I still haven't resolved from my own personal curiosity, like why it's two things. Um, there's some translations of the Rashi who translate shloaf as draw off. I don't know what the word draw means in that translation, whereas hotse means take off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, what, what, um, and I did a quick check on Safaria. None of the classic super commentaries on Rashi say anything about this. So they're, they're, just, they're just not bothered by it. Sometimes we're bothered by things that they are not. It's just, one is separating the, the foot from, and the other is remove hand, with hand, remove the, the, the shoe. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know why we need to spend time on this, but. <laughs> that's <what it> <laughs> well, that's, that's the definition of our class. Um, okay. <laughs> now, Barry, go to the next one, which is really just a quote oh. from, from the verse, which I'll pull up in a second. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so your your olives um, shall fall off. Okay. So let's look at that in situ. Uh, this is chapter twenty eight of Darim Parshat Kitavo. This is part of the um, the Tochacha, the series of curses that are going to befall the Israelites um, if they don't follow the commandments. Here you have Yishal, which is the same form as Yisa or Yipol. It's the root is nun shin lamed, as we discussed before, but in the future tense, that nun falls out. So part of the curses, uh, this is verse 40, where this is, zaytim yulecha, yeah, you're going to have olive trees. Bechol vulecha, everywhere you look, olive tree, olive tree, olive tree, olive tree. Beshemen lo tasuch. But you will have no oil for the anointing ceremony. Ki yishal zaytecha, because your olives will slip off, they'll fall off before they're ready, right? So Rashi sees these two very, in some ways, different uses of nashal, subtly different, but different, right? A shoe, um, uh, sorry, a, uh, an axe slipping from a hand and a olive falling off of its branch before it's due. Rashi says, smush those two things together and you have what I think God is telling um, Moshe to do in the in this verb, right? To allow it to just get 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 that shoe off, right? Um, there, are, it's not the only places this root is used, but it's the ones that Rashi is, is choosing. Okay, uh, Renee, and then uh, Larry. I was just curious that because Everett Fox doesn't say take off, but he says put off your sandal. Yeah. Read the whole verse for Everett Fox. Uh, do not come near to here. Put off your sandal from your foot for the place on which you stand. It is holy ground. Put off. Uh, everyone's trying, right? Everyone's trying to figure out exactly what this root means. And like Barry's joke before, why are we spending so much time on this? Because um, in some ways it's meaningless. We know what the, what's happening in the scene. And it's also delicious to get right down in there and to try to figure out, you know, this venerable text when it was put together by whomever it was put together, the Holy One or humanity or some combination thereof, why this verb here, right? And yeah, we're, we're It doesn't seem as important when you say put off as when it says take off. Yeah, put, that's, that's a strange English phrase. I would, if, I had, if I had Everett in my presence, I would, I would in a chutzpahic way say, I'm not even sure what put off a shoe means, but, um, but he's trying, he's trying hard. Uh, let's see, I see. Maybe more like slip it off. Yeah, like a slipper. Physically take it off. There's an emphasis of intentionality here. Not just slip it off, take it off. 
<laughs> yeah, except that there are two places that Rashi goes for what the root means. It's actually not. It's 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 it's, it's the opposite. It's not intentional, right? Yeah. Your axe slipping from your hand and the olive coming off before it's supposed to come off the branch. So but, but, it's actually p- playful with that idea. But that's why he's putting two words. The the the, the first one is the unintentional. It just happens. But the it, second word puts the intentionality to it. Um, okay, uh, Larry and then Marshall. Well, you and Barry hit on it. I was going to comment on the unintentionality of the two examples in Rashi. And I think that I don't know the answer. I don't know what, what the conclusion is. But Rashi is trying to tell us that taking off of the sandals actually cannot even be intentional. And maybe in the English word slip off, etc., almost like magically get those sandals off of your feet. But I have no idea. Someone else here must have the, 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 the idea of why unintentionality is important to Rashi. Yeah. It, so unintentionality might be important to Rashi because both of the roots, that, the, the verses that he brings are about unintentionality or, and I don't mean this to be facetious, or it's not. And it's, that's just his, the, the, the two places he went for the basic meaning of removal as opposed to, he didn't want us to focus on the unintentionality. Um, I'm, there's a, I have several volumes in front of me when I teach. One of the volumes is a, a volume called Pshuto Shel Mikra and Rashi Kipshuto in one volume. It's not, it's different than um, Lifshuto Shel Rashi. There are many, many volumes are trying to understand Rashi in its core. And in, in the Rashi Kipshuto in this volume, he does something very interesting at the very end of his breakdown of Rashi's comment. He says, Achkan, Achkan, even here, Perusho, the interpretation of the root shal in the verse is, Chalotz na'alecha, remove the sandal, Vatasirem me'al raglecha, and then take them off from your foot. It's similar to what Tova was suggesting before, that there's, there's like a, there's a part of this verb that is related to the foot and part of it that's related to the object that's coming off the foot. And somehow Rashi wants both of those to be understood in the root shell. And that's why he gives two verbs. Um, Marshall. Yeah, actually in, in Gelbard's uh, commentary, also from leaf, from leaf shoot shell Rashi. Uh, he says that loca unculus matar game shall Shari. Kolomar uh, heter. So this is not as Unkelis has translated the word shal, which means to uh, to loosen or untie. And then he says, but rather as Rashi says, ela shalofa And then he says, really, maybe the reason I'm talking about this whole thing is that you may not really know what the word shal is. So I'm going to give you two examples. One where you have, it's a pay nun verb, as you mentioned. One is where the nun is present. And the one in the future tense, it's not present. And maybe that's the only reason Rashi's mentioning it. Very good. Right. It would be so, it's a fascinating insight. It's, <laughs> it would be so good to have Rashi's commentary on Rashi, right? Which is like a version of what my, my rabbi used to tell me in yeshiva when we were struggling to understand a piece of Talmud and we'd quickly go to the Rashi to, under, to help understand it. He'd say, remember that Rashi didn't have the Rashi. The text is intelligible without the Rashi. And it would also be helpful to hear how, how Rashi would interpret Rashi, because maybe the reference to these verses in Devarim, we're seeing in the verse, as you said, um, Larry, unintentionality. Maybe it's just, no, here, here's, here's, here's two possibilities, one with the nun, one without the nun. It means to remove Gamarnu. Um, because we're almost out of time today, Barry, let's go back to you and just read 
the one word uh, commentary of Rashi at the end of the verse, which resolves or at least speaks to the grammatical question I raised when we first read the verse. Are you there, Barry? Um, so, um, so we, you, you, you did this already. Uh, the, the who uh, refers to uh, the hamakom as a place. Right. It's, right. It's, hang, it's hanging out there. Rashi is Malamed Schut upon us. It gives us credit for, for we might have a reaction to why Adma, which is feminine, is, is followed by the pronoun who. And he says, no, the who kind of brings us back to Hamakom. Yeah. Um, and uh, so but with, that one, with that one word, you know, we always talk about how Rashi gives the answer and not the question, right? It's the opposite of Jeopardy. So with a one word answer, we can infer his question. His question, his question is, why is who present for Adama? The answer is no. Who is present for Makom? Stevie? Yeah, I was just going to say that I don't see any unintentionality in Devarim, right? Like God is causing his curses. So... Cert, like certainly in 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 uh, the other one there was because it's right the accidental manslayer. But anyway, I I also agree that that it's probably not worth you know reading too much into Rashi's choices here. But but I only see unintentionality in one case and certainly not in the other. Right. So basically, the last half an hour of our of our life was unnecessary, but very <laughs> but very enjoyable. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could go really pick a you and on you and Stevie and say, vis-a-vis the whole scene, the part, the verse from Kitavo, it's not unintentional because God, God's will is present, but God's will is present perhaps everywhere, including the unintentional manslayer. Vis-a-vis the olive, it is unintentional. Look, God is life. saying, you're going to have olives, you're not going to have access to them because I'm going to make them fall. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Let's leave it as a take you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's 9.30 and I only had to 9.30 today. So we got 45 minutes of Torah study in today and it was great to see all of you. Next week, back to our normal uh, Wednesday morning, 8.30. Uh, I'll, and have a great healthy day today and a great day tomorrow as our, our, our country begins the next era. And um, I'm glad we got to spend this time together. So have a good Tuesday, everybody. Kol Tuv. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.